Welcome to Plant Medicine Transmissions with Javier Regueiro. Today I am dedicating this podcast episode to the presentation of my newest book, which is called A Greater Gift of Love, Poems, Prayers, and Stories from the Long and Dusty Road. This is actually an expanded version and a different version from a book that I published last year, a little hardcover book illustrated by Natalia Suizu, a wonderful Australian artist, and that featured my first poems, prayers, and stories. The book was titled A Gift of Love because it was very clear that putting a book on Amazon only on hardcover would not generate much business at all. And I was proved right. So in March of this year, I had a call with my publisher, Jesse Krieger, at Lifestyle Entrepreneurs Press and talked to him about this idea that I had of creating an expanded version of this book, A Gift of Love, an idea that he liked and approved. I told him, give me four weeks and I will give you all the materials for this new book, A Greater Gift of Love. And finally, this past week, this book was published on Kindle, on paper, on paperback this time, and also on Audible. The first version of this book, A Gift of Love, came to be late in 2018 when uh, I did a San Pedro ceremony by myself in my garden to explore some trepidation I still held around uh, being a teacher and being more outspoken and more public. At the end of the ceremony, after all the work for the day was done, I started envisioning a story a story which I'm going to read you in a little bit. And the more I played with this story, the more I liked it. I found it uh, witty, but also wise. The ceremony was in the daytime, and I was by myself, and I hardly ever get any sleep after a ceremony with either San Pedro or Ayahuasca. So I had plenty of time to think further about this story to the point that I decided to create a book so that I could include this story. And by morning, I had pretty much all the titles, all the themes that I wanted to write about. And this was really the magic of this experience. Within three and a half weeks, I had completed all the writings of this little book. It was an amazing experience that I never had before, 
of just waves of inspiration and creativity. Within a few days, I had Natalia Suizu's support to include her beautiful paintings in this book project, as well as my publisher's okay about creating and releasing this book. Fast forward a year and a half, and we are in March 2020. We are in lockdown here in Peru. I call my publisher, Jesse, and I explain to him this idea, this project. He approves it. And then what happens? Once again, I am flooded by a lot of inspiration. The interesting thing was, just like in the first Gift of Love, I felt that everything that wanted, that needed to be included in this second volume, just came at times flooding in and at times little by little. So this new project, Greater Gift of Love, includes all the writings from the first Gift of Love, plus some new poems, new prayers, new tales, as well as two additional sections. One is a section also that came about in June, July of 2019, which was initially a little story that involved eight tarot cards from a fabled yet-to-be-written Desert Tarot, as well as a last section of uh, writings by Twisted Panties. Twisted Panties became my drag literary persona, and uh, she's a New York City gal born and raised in Louisiana, and uh, she's very funny. She's quite hilarious, and she holds little, little back. As a matter of fact, and this is the first thing that I'm going to read to you from uh, this book, is the disclaimer. This book contains the B, C, and F words, as well as explicit references to eroticism and sometimes illegal drug use. We invite you, should you find the open and frank mention of these words and themes offensive to your sensitivity and morality, to please close this book immediately and burn it or give it away in order to avoid any unnecessary conflicts and polemics. The author makes the full claim of his freedom of expression and refuses to censor himself or wash his mouth with soap. So I am aware that for some people, certain words, certain themes can give rise to feelings of disrespect and dishonoring. However, I do not agree with the current politics of censoring ourselves in order to keep these sensitive people happy. For me, writing... Any kind of expression is about expression. It's about free expression as 
little limited by external beliefs and opinions about what is okay and what isn't okay to share with the world. And here is the first poem of A Greater Gift of Love. It's titled Magic, and it was actually inspired by a quote by Herman Hesse that a friend of mine wrote on a book of tales by Herman Hesse, which she gifted me a couple of years ago. The title is Magic. The long and wondrous journey of awakening had only just begun that my mind was already focused on the imagined end of the road, way out there in some hypothetical future. But all beginnings have magic. Yes, all beginnings have magic, and every moment is a new beginning, another diving into the great and unfathomable unknown. Beneath the initial cries of resistance and fear, I begin to feel the sweetness of an ancient enchantment. I can finally hear the opening lines of a song that will lead me on through thick and thin and anything. With the original A Gift of Love published already last year, once I had all the texts and look at them as a whole, I realized that the main common theme of this book was coming home to oneself. And this second volume, A Greater Gift of Love, is a continuation of that exploration, of that sharing about the challenges, but also the rewards of coming home to oneself as well as pursuing a spiritual life that is not intended as an escape from this world, but as a way of embracing more deeply and fully the human earthly experience. So here is another poem for you. It's titled, A Hell of a Heavenly Journey. When I left my father's house, I was cold and afraid and took shelter in the illusion of safety. But that comfy cage was no place for a child of God. Braving the elements, with only hope and faith to give me strength, I left all that was dear to me and ventured out again. Following the guidance of the sun, the moon and the stars, I barely found my bearings along the forgotten road. Bruised and scarred, but happy to have dared to finally trust my heart all the way home. Speaking of home, for years in my house here in Pisac, Peru, I have created a little bit of a, an installation. I was in town one day and I saw these bags of little plastic dinosaurs for sale outside a shop, bought a bag and created in my living room a place with these dinosaurs all around uh, several crystals and special stones. The point of this little installation is that personally I don't care very much about the excessive seriousness that people 
suffer from whenever they engage in healing and in spirituality. We say we want to lessen our own ego's predominance in our lives, and yet this excessive seriousness is a symptom that the mind is still running the show. So as my own journey has evolved, I found myself taking things less seriously and with always as much humor as possible. Also, in my work, I have a tendency to point to my clients the other side of the coin, the other side of what they're telling me, the other side of what they're believing in. And this brings a fuller image of our own inner landscape. So this new greater gift of love, the biggest medicine for me as far as I'm concerned, I don't see myself necessarily as a very gifted poet or writer. I do these writings in order to share teachings and uh, do my best to make it as palatable as possible. But the most important medicine of this book is humor, is looking at things in a different way, maybe topsy-turvy, making fun of our assumptions so that we can expand, actually, and not be so stuck in our own judgments and viewpoints. I feel that since 9-11 of 2001, the world is covered with a thick layer of seriousness and that we cannot crack a joke, we cannot say what is obviously a joke anymore because everybody has a tendency to take everything that everybody says way too literally and way too seriously. The medicine of humor and laughter is, in my opinion, the most important medicine for us at this point in history. And I also find it very important to not take ourselves that seriously, in particular when it comes to our own healing and spiritual journey. Because in those instances, we have a tendency to take ourselves way too seriously over and over again. So here is another little poem that I wrote a few months ago, included in this book. It's titled Koans. Koans, the very famous little ditties that would be presented to Zen monks in Japan. These are little questions that are actually meant to defy the mind's ability to think straight. How to keep looking for God when it's everywhere and in everything and not even trying to hide? How to reconcile apparent opposites and obvious contradictions within the same luminous circle? How to walk all the way home without really moving? The heart can be heard answering these questions the moment we stop asking them 
and begin to hear its wisdom. The experience of a Toe Datura Dieta in May of 2019 was very instrumental in uh, catalyzing once again uh, a wave of creativity and inspiration. But also this Dieta, this experience, was an invitation from myself to myself, from this plant teacher to me, to think outside my own boxes and to rely less and less on my own assumptions. These assumptions can be very practical and give some kind of structure to our lives and prevent us from going insane. However, attachment, excessive attachment to our viewpoints can become limiting and actually do become limiting no matter how holy these opinions and viewpoints may be in our own opinion. I am reminded here of the energy, the archetype of the trickster, of the coyote, who in Native American tradition, North American, always tends to portray everything in its opposite shape in order to create a bigger picture, in order to support others in not taking themselves very seriously or believing that whatever they may think is written in stone. So to wrap up this presentation, I would like to share with you that story that I mentioned at the very beginning, which was actually the first text that I wrote for this book. It's titled The Boat. The boat appeared on the riverbank, seemingly out of nowhere, as soon as people were ready to ride on it. At the helm of this simple barge was an old man in tattered clothes. If one wasn't too easily deceived by mere appearances, one could see behind these many wrinkles one of the many faces of the divine. There was no price of admittance, and the old man, who had long lost any interest in money, lived on the many foods people left behind. The journey was said to be the greatest adventure ever. It was the journey home to oneself. Willing travelers brought along all sorts of equipment, provisions, and seasickness tablets, thinking that what laid ahead would turn out to be similar to Homer's endless odyssey or Moses' lengthy ramblings through the desert. And nobody was keen on surviving on raw fish without wasabi or locusts. Actually, those who witnessed the departure of their loved ones testified that the journey only lasted a split second, a letting go of the shore followed by a swift return to the place of departure. The journey turned out to be an inward one, and because of the intimacy of the inner landscapes traveled, it was all the more intense and cathartic. Admission on the boat had only one but firm requirement to leave behind all the personal and projected shoulds and musts, all seeking and all expectations. Let me tell you that the scene by the shore was quite a sight, often one of confusion, 
doubt, fear, relief, and excitement all rolled into one. Sometimes people would struggle so much with the attachments to the comforts of the old life that despite their deep longing to return home, they failed repeatedly before they could make it on board without sinking the boat with their inner rules and regulations. You were either on the boat or off the boat, as old Californian wisdom reminded us. As more and more people made the glorious journey, casinos, churches, and retreat centers lost their business and eventually closed down, only to be replaced by 24-hour taverns sponsored lavishly by the new manager of the Homeland Welcome Agency. At the bar, seraphims doled out heavenly libations, and as soon as a customer sat down at one of the tables, a bunch of angels would join in and offer their encouragement and support to those who struggled with the new environment and life. Yes, a few individuals were so unused to being home that they would fall into a deep desire to return to self-imposed exile. Only the funniest and wisest of angels could get these confused souls to come to their senses. And it is recorded that a few individuals actually had to be sent back at their begging request until they were truly ready for the only celebration left on homeland. It wasn't a scheduled ritual by any means. And more often than not, it was a very private affair, either held in the woods or the privacy of one's home. With eyes closed, we would simply worship and honor ourselves at the altar of our hearts. No matter the state our hearts were in, sometimes bleeding, sometimes angry, or ecstatic and joyful, the ritual was always the same, an outflowing of appreciation and gratitude for the gift of our own hearts. Some people refer to this prayer as the Tin Man's Lucky Song, but that's another story. I am finally noticing that despite the fascination with the tone of my own voice, people in the audience are beginning to yawn, so it's time for the story to end. But before I do, please allow me to remind you that the boat will depart anytime you wish, even now. And by the same token, it will patiently wait for you for as long as needed. Blessings.